This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Six oh two, welcome in. It's the opening kickoff, and Lee, I think we were all cheering for him. They were one game away. Mark, I know in our household, in our household, we were, we were, stayed up, watched the whole game. We had friends over. I got questions. You being a big time coach in basketball, playing four games in five days. Does that affect free throw shooting, do you think? It affects the legs, which ultimately yeah. affect the free throw shooting. Thought. Unless, of course, you weren't a very good free throw shooter to begin with, then no, it probably doesn't affect it very much. Every time they missed a free throw. You know, there are only three guys on the team that took free throws. I, I mean, I don't want to make it like the biggest deal in the world. They, they made 17 out of 28. But, of course, the big guy, Samuel, who has been a, a rim protector and a shot blocker and set a jag record yesterday had his issues but i gotta tell you i had not seen i think you have because i think you went out and saw the jags this year i had not seen isaiah Moore in person i'm impressed now of course he had a career night with 33 points but a guy at 6-1 getting into the lane that often and he doesn't shoot from outside. All of his shots are practically within the 15-foot, uh, which is so unusual today in college basketball. Yeah, they. Um, he certainly didn't have that game against – I saw them against Alabama earlier this year. But, no, if, if, I'm, if I'm Louisiana or any team at that point, I'm kind of painting him. I'm, I'm letting him go out there and let him do his thing. But, look, man, they, they gave Louisiana everything they wanted and more. They – I just felt like they couldn't get stops. I know free throws were, were, were a bit of an issue for South, but I felt like, especially down the stretch, um, they just couldn't keep up offensively with Louisiana. They, they just didn't have any answers on the defensive side of the ball. I thought they rebound well, especially offensively and early in the game, but I think even the guys calling the game mentioned it, and you alluded to it. I just think they ran out of gas. I mean, yeah. to get through that tournament, that's a lot. I feel like in the summer they play one more game than you should have to. To win that thing, and uh, it's so, it's just so hard to get through that tournament with fresh legs and win. I looked at this from a variety of ways. It's tough to beat a t- uh, tough to beat a team three times. Louisiana had beaten the Jags twice during the regular season, so I thought there was that. But that fourth game in five days, and I told those who were with us yesterday, I said this could be. I, I can't tell from watching the game on TV. Only maybe Richie Riley or somebody like Ronnie Arrow, who will be a guest today and who was at the game, could, who's been through this before, could really tell. But, I mean, when you – Richie goes a long way with the starters, Mark. As you saw, he does not substitute that much, at least during this tournament. And Isaiah Moore and guys like that are out there for, what, 36, 37, 38 minutes. Owen White, I think, played 40 minutes. That, that was a real key, too. We probably should concentrate on that, too. Louisiana did a great job. Owen White is the best three-point option the Jags have. And if you remember, he took the last three-pointer. Yeah. Yeah. It came close, but they really put put the defender on him. They wanted to take him out. And it seemed by doing that, they were giving up space for Isaiah Moore to come into the lane. And at the other end of the court, to your uh, narrative, I've never – the Jags just gave up the baseline almost all night. 
you know, that, that LSU was able to, LSU, Louisiana was able to drive the baseline with reverse layups. But it was, look, give them credit. They did really well to get there. They were looking for their first NCAA tournament bid since 08, and it, they just fell short. Uh, the five points, it was actually a lot closer than that because the Cajuns hit two free throws at the end. Before we go further, we do have a lot of sports to cover as the Saints get the best quarterback in the NFC South. Let's talk about our uh, March Madness. Okay. Let's do it. All right, so uh, starting today, we will qualify uh, one of you throughout the course of the day. We'll do it a couple times. If you hear one of my favorite basketball songs of all time, because Nick knows what I like, One Shining Moment, when you hear us play One Shining Moment, you can be qualified for the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. Uh, we'll be doing it at Moe's on March 15th. That's coming up. It's about a week away, a little bit more than a week away. Uh, we're going to qualify like 58 of you. So what happens is uh, between us and the afternoon show, the final drive, if you get picked, come on by Moe's, and uh, we're, you're basically going to draft a team, right? You're going to get selected a team. That team wins, you win. And coming up, at, uh, we're gonna, you're going to win a TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress, and there's a special additional prize, which we're going to announce it a little bit later today. You're going to want to listen to that. So here's the thing. if you, what, Mark, what if I don't get qualified? That's not fair. But aha, uh-huh. if you show up at Moe's anyway, there'll be about eight spots that we're going to give away at the party um, at the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. So be listening for one shining moment. You will get a randomly selected team. If you get qualified during one of our shows, when you come to Mojo, you'll get randomly selected. If you do not get in and get Nick on the phone in time, fear not. There will be eight chances, uh, and you will have an opportunity to be a part of a very cool competition. We'll qualify four this morning and probably uh, quite a few each day leading up to next Wednesday's March Madness. Selection Sunday is, well, this coming Sunday, and then they have those playing games. So if you had a if you had a choice of a team, any in particular you'd want, I, I think it's a wide open tournament this year. I, I don't think there's one team out there that you can definitively say that I gotta have that team. Is there somebody out there you'd like? If you were involved, you can't obviously be, but if you could. Um I do think that uh well, I mean you'd look at anybody that's on potentially the top line. So I mean obviously Alabama or Houston. Houston, or, don't forget, um, is playing if they get to the Final Four, that's where the tournament is in Houston. Yeah, I mean, you look at teams like Kansas or UCLA, um, Arizona, um, Purdue. I mean, I, I think anybody that takes can get one of the top, anybody on the top line to anywhere in that two to three seat. I think anybody would be happy with uh, any one of those for sure. You know, when the rankings came out yesterday, and there's a, I'll be going around the ballpark on this as I usually do. Uh, you had Houston at one and UCLA two, and it immediately uh, UCLA two, and it conjured up memories of 1968, January 20th. For those who were around then, um, the game of the century. This had never been done before in college basketball. Where uh, Einhorn, I think that was his name, uh, went to both schools uh, and put together this matchup of one against two. At the time, UCLA was one. They had won 47 straight. Houston, led by Elvin Biggie Hayes going against Lou Alcindor, who is now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And it was won by Houston, like 71 to 69. Alcindor played, but he had an eye injury. So he wasn't like the same. 
And then in the NCAA tournament that year, UCLA just killed Houston. Uh, but anyway, uh, another thing, too, that caught my attention, Brandon Miller. We talked about this last week. So he not only gets freshman of the year in the SEC, he gets player of the year. So that'll put to rest any conspiracy thoughts that maybe they were trying to maybe move away from him, but they're not. He gets both awards. And that's the first time that's been done since Anthony Davis did that with Kentucky many years ago. Uh, I think uh, from a basketball standpoint, it's going to be hard to argue that. But it, it only it only goes to show you that they clearly, clearly missed the boat on that weekly honor. What was it last week? So uh, not a huge surprise there uh, based on what he's been able to accomplish uh, the question I have is, would he have won both had he had won the weekly honor last week? Because there was such, such I don't know, of outrage, but such publicity for the fact that he didn't win it the week before. I'm wondering if that swayed them in any way. I think he would have. I really do. All right, the Saints, according to some, have the best quarterback now in the NFC South. I don't know if that's saying much because <laughs> most of the teams in the NFC South, Tampa Bay, Atlanta and Carolina really do not have a bona fide quarterback, but Derek Carr, four years, somewhere in the vicinity of $150 million, he is now their quarterback. So that means, uh, I don't know if Dalton's going to stay as a backup. I wouldn't think Jameis Winston's going to be around. No, I think he'll be a cap casualty. Yeah, Um, and they do have a big, big issue with cap. That's why I'm not going to come on here and say this is going to get, because I've seen headlines, is this enough to get the Saints to the Super Bowl? I'm not going to do that until I see what they have. I mean, with that cap and everything, I don't know what they're going to have to do to get rid of players, or I don't know about Kamara's status. So I want to wait and see what they surround Derek Carr with before I'm ready to say if they'll even be a contender this year. Are they a contender for the Super Bowl? I would say at this point, no. I mean, he's coming off statistically, I think, one of his worst years. With that said, are they better? Yes. Uh, it's a little bit of a pricey uh, uh, hefty price tag there, but uh, they be- they're better today than they were yesterday. I don't think they're contending for a Super Bowl. I This was the guy I wanted. This is the one that I thought I, I would have I preferred him over the other quarterbacks that are out there. You know, he had a pretty good supporting cast with the Raiders. You had Josh Jacobs, one of the best running backs in the league. You had that Waller, the tight end. You had, you have, you know, uh, Devontae Adams. And, and they, you're right. They, he didn't have a very statistical good year. And then they benched him and basically told him, take a, take a hike. We don't want you anymore. Well, obviously the Saints do. They've had uh, quarterback issues galore. There's a startling stat which is going to crop up in a Chick-fil-A giveaway at 820 about the Saints. But anyway, uh, Carr, I think he's thrown for over 3,000 yards since 2019. So, And he's got uh, he's got Olave coming back, and hopefully uh, they'll be a, a really good team. Again, too many things are going on with that team right now with the cap for me to say that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. I hope they can just win their division. What do you think, Nick? You got a big grin on your face. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait to watch Lamar Jackson in his Falcons jersey running circles around Derek Carr. What? Yeah. Are they, are the they, Saints just playing? Uh, banished themselves into the pits of mediocrity for the next four years. Um, it's exciting to see as a Falcons fan. Not trying to be biased or anything. No, no, it doesn't come off that way at all, and not not, uh, okay. not even a little bit. Okay, first of all, Jackson is not in a Falcons uniform, and Carr doesn't play Yet. defense. 
He's not yet, and I think if we don't get Lamar Jackson, then we're going to get Lamar Jackson 2.0 in the draft. That's right. Anthony, Anthony Richardson. Richardson, baby. Oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> you must have had a long evening. It's, like, it's, it's going to be like having two Kyle Pitts on offense. And one can just throw a little better than the other, probably. <laughs> I think, isn't Jackson going to be franchised by the Ravens? He is, but then he might get traded right after. And I don't know, man. Who knows? Well, what, would the Falcons, seeing, what would the Falcons have that Baltimore would want? A uh, lot, of, lot of picks. Remember, we did get some picks from Matt, the Matt Ryan trade. Yeah. Um, we got... $65 million in cap space. I was wondering. How did the Saints even afford Derek Carr? You see, what had happened was. Uh, <laughs> they have a very good capologist. They have a very good so capologist. We, we don't archive. I guess we do archive, but it would take too long to go back and look. I'm curious. I wish we had Nick's comments on the Falcons quarterbacks last year. Because he was very high on... Which one were you high on? He's on the phone now. Which Mariota. One were you, were you, Mariota. Yeah, were you high on Mariota? It wasn't Desmond Ritter that you were high on last year. Oh, you mean Marcus Scariota? Yeah, is that who you were riding high with? You were riding with last year? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a ride with I'm a ride with my guys. Right. You know, I may be like holding on to the, the handle and kind of like buckling up extra yeah. tightly. But yeah. uh, nah, next year, though, I'm letting the top down. Letting the wind through my hair. We're riding in style. Yeah. Riding with your guys sitting here openly uh, stumping for a guy that isn't on your team. But, yeah, good good call. Yet. Good call. Good uh, call. We got a call. Okay. Elvis wants to talk about the Jags game. All right. Night. Let's talk to Elvis here on WNSP. Hey, Elvis. What's going on, Mark? How you doing? I'm doing well. Good to see you. Good to see you the other day, Elvis. Hey, listen, man. Come on, you're a basketball coach. You disappoint me, man. How These so? guys that they're tired. You're 20 years old. You're in the prime of your life. You can't play one game a day for four days. And if they were tired, then that's Richie Riley's fault. How long have they been a not very good team all season? So you've known for two, three months. You're probably going to have to win. Four games in four days. You need to be running steps. You need to be ready for that. First of all, I don't buy that they were tired, and if they are, that's on him. I'm out. Thank you, Elvis. Um, Actually, four games in five days. Um, see, I, I do buy the fact, and the only thing we mentioned about being tired was going to the free throw line. But actually, in All right, 627, got a real short segment here because we went long with the phone call in, in, uh, in our first segment, but continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. I will say this, two things about South Alabama League, uh, not only about this basketball program, but about the athletic, uh, the athletic program. And I said this during the football season, right? I've always said as long as they're competing for championships and titles, I think South Alabama or the people here of Mobile, the Mobile area, will always be intrigued and always tune in. But you got to be doing it. With that said, I think we're at the point with this athletic program where you've got to take that next step. You got to win this game. You got to beat Troy at home. You got to win your bowl game. 
whatever. You, I think we're at the point with this program where you've got to take that next step. Now, you can make the argument this basketball team's a little bit different because they struggled all year. So to make the run that they made was impressive and got most people in this area all excited about it. But now, but like I said, you gotta you got you gotta take that next step at some point. And I think I think South fans, whatever sport you're talking about, are now the expectations have been set. You know, you got the new stadium, you got you know you're in the running in, in in football for conference championships now. You 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 gotta win one. Uh, basketball, we we love Richie. We love the energy he brings. Uh, he's clearly got guys talented enough to win this thing. You saw it last night. Got to take that next step. Yeah, well, the problem is that some of the players, most of the players that were instrumental in this run are going to be there. Apparently, uh, they've run out of eligibility unless I'm missing something with a, another COVID year. But, um, you know, going into this, remember this, they were in eighth seed. Not much was expected of South Alabama, although they finished strong. This was a really complicated year. And as Richie pointed out, they had to go on the road for, what, about four or five weeks without a home game. And the reason for that was to raise money for the trip they took to the Bahamas. I think he thought this was going to be a much better year record-wise, wins and losses, because of the talent he brought in. Samuels was coming in from TCU. Um, uh, Isaiah, we didn't know much about him. He came in from a smaller school called Franklin and Pierce. But the problem is now he's going to have to, I say, rebuild, reload, just go out and find some new players for next year. All right. When we uh, come back, we'll talk uh, combine with Brian Bosarge. Also, we got to get into this Giannis thing. So we spent a lot of time talking about Giannis's triple double and how he kind of gave himself a rebound. And despite Nick's explanation on it, the league disagreed with him. The problem is, I disagree with the league's disagreement. I know that doesn't make sense. It's called a tease. We'll explain later. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's that's your cue for our WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. That's right. Be the first one to get Nick on the line at 694-1055, and you will qualify for a shot at receiving one of the teams in the NCAA tournament at our event Wednesday, March 15th at Moe's. Up for grabs, a brand-new TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress, and we're adding to the pot of gold coming up in about an hour and 20 minutes. We will announce what that addition is, so stay tuned. All right, uh, let's switch gears, talk a little football. Brian Bosarge, Deep Fried uh, Draft uh, is on the line, uh, also Draft Countdown. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. So many storylines based on the combine. Anthony Richardson was getting a lot of hype with what he did, and if this was a track meet, uh, they'd consider him, I guess, uh, big time. Have you? 
are you moved at all with Anthony Richardson? And, and there were some that were saying now that he's moved up right behind Bryce Young as the second quarterback, and, and, and there was speculation that could he be the number one draft pick, and I, I, it just blew me away. What did it do for you? Nothing. Uh, we, there's a term that they use, don't count it twice. You already knew Anthony Richardson was going to go to the combine and be with the best athlete there, right? Or one of the best, definitely the quarterback position. So what he did was an absolute shock to nobody. But if anybody stayed past the 40, stayed past the verticals, and you watched him throw on the field, and you watched him throw right directly in front of C.J. Stroud, and then you watched those two guys throw back-to-back, and your condition was Anthony Richardson's the best quarterback in this draft class, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and I- and I can only go back on the body of work as a Florida quarterback. I wasn't all that impressed from all the, the hype, and he was better than Emory Jones, and he was going to lead them here and there, and, it, and nothing ever really materialized. He'd have one good game and one bad one. It just went back and forth. Bryce Young's measurements, is that going to be a, a deterrent? No, because, I, I mean, that's another thing where, yes, he measured in at 204 pounds. My, my man probably ate was like Joey Chestnut at the hot dog eating contest before the, before the combine come in to get it that weight. There's no way he's a 204 pound guy. I mean, you there's you see it. It is what it is. But I mean, the size if the size wasn't the deterrent for NFL teams going into the combine, he definitely didn't change their minds. I really wish he would have threw though, knowing that Levis and Richardson and Stroud all did. I think that might end up being a missed opportunity for him to kind of show off some of the same, you know, accuracy and, and, and rhythm and everything that Stroud was able to. Uh, I feel like that might have been a missed opportunity, but it's not like he's not going to get a chance where every NFL team is going to be at their pro day. So it may not end up mattering in the long run. Brian Bosarge with Deep Fried Draft. Stetson Bennett, did he help himself at all? He's another guy where the only thing he could really help himself with, uh, he was a better, ended up being a better athlete than maybe I thought he was going to be, but the interviews were going to be big for Bennett because of the stuff that happened, you know, a month or so ago. And he's going to add that he had to answer all those questions, maturity and all questions and all that. So that the interviews, which is stuff that we will not ever have access to was the biggest thing for Bennett during the combine. Another uh, storyline was Jalen Carter. What do you think is going to happen with him in the draft now? I mean, I guess it really depends on if any more charges, get added through investigation of of the the accident and everything else because with based on what we've got right now, I, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, with just the two misdemeanor charges, I think NFL teams there there might be one or two that, you know, take him off their board, but with it being eight weeks ahead of the draft when it, when the news came out, I, I think his team's gonna have a chance to get ahead of it. I guess, like I said, unless something else comes out, I, I don't think Jalen Carter is going to drop any further than the top six. Do you think he could be the top defensive player to go? I, I just I don't think so because I think NFL teams are still going to value that edge rusher uh, more than they're going to the interior guy. Despite the fact, you know, you know, they've seen everything that Aaron Donald's done, but I, I think teams are still going to value that guy they believe that can come screaming off the edge and get, you know, 10 to 12 sacks, um, you know, like Micah Parsons has been able to do with Dallas and other guys like that. That's why I still think Will Anderson's going to be inevitably the uh, top 
defensive player picked. Ryan Bosarge joining us, uh, Deep Fry Draft. Okay, what player or players do you think really helped themselves with this combine? Oh, there's several. I mean, you can look no no further than like just the cornerback. All the corner the corners were flying, and that's especially true for one of our local guys, uh, Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland. I thought he he put on a great show there. Him and his teammate, both Deontay Banks, were two of the big standouts. Uh, there, but what Bennett showed was a four three forty and a one four eight ten yard split. I mean, that is that is get that's quick get off right there. And forty forty and a half inch vertical, eleven foot broad jump, outstanding. Uh, whatever whoever he was working out with uh, pre combine, they did a great job there. Uh, but there was a, another guy that was at the Senior Bowl at a Tamiwa at a Barrier from Northwestern, six foot one, two hundred eighty two pounds. Guys ran a four four nine in the forty at two hundred eighty two pounds with a thirty seven and a half inch vertical, out just tremendous. I think we're missing the biggest story of the combine, or at least the last couple of weeks, maybe even six weeks, Brian. How does one go to the combine and and, and up to that point had lost 25 pounds in a six-week span? I, I feel like there's an infomercial coming up with the, the keys to success. How, do, how, how, did, how did you do this? You know, uh, intermittent fasting right. and change in diet. So, like... Uh, like you're not running through drive-throughs is what you're saying? No, because I've actually haven't really even been able to exercise because I've had some issues with my left arm. So I haven't ha- I haven't actually been able to do anything further other than uh, diet change and just the times of day that I eat. I'm just saying. I'm thinking you're flying up draft boards with that type of uh, commitment and dedication to the uh, the physical well-being. I can promise you, I cannot go sub five seconds in the forty mark. That that much I can guarantee. Well, congratulations. It's very cool. Thank you. So if we go to Deep Fried Draft, your top five right now as today. Oh, it's going to be Will Anderson at one still. He's going to be my number one overall prospect. Um, Jalen Carter, as of right now, is my number two. Um, number three and four, because I, I may end up flip-flopping this. My new, I'm going to have some new rankings coming out later this week post-combine. But I may end up moving Stroud ahead of Young, but I think they're going to be nailed to the hip, so to speak. And number five, my number five overall player right now is uh, Georgia offensive tackle Broderick Jones. I think he's the best offensive tackle in this class, and his he tested great this week and looked great on the field drills. So I think he could be the first offensive tackle off the board. And just behind them are Tyree Wilson, the edge from Texas Tech, and Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. Where do you have Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, going right now? Uh, I mean, he's going to be drafted in the first round. He's going to be drafted in the top 15. And every mock draft I do is going to have him there. On my overall board, Anthony Richardson is currently the 99th overall player. So does a team that needs a starting quarterback, do they take him or do they just look at him down the road? I think a team needs to – look to him with an eye to the future. Any team that drafts him thinking that he's going to come in and be their day one starter, I think is making a serious mistake. And I, and I think a team like Carolina would be in that boat. Houston or another one that I don't think needs to draft Anthony Richardson. But teams that, that I think could sustain him would be Seattle. They just gave Geno a three-year, $105 million deal. I don't know how it breaks down. They could probably get out of it after two. And that's probably good timing if you would say draft Anthony Richardson. Um, Detroit picking six with the Rams pick. 
I think because of the Jerry Goff, and he's had some success there this the past couple of years. You can maintain, you know, Anthony Richardson on your roster as a backup, you know, learning and everything, getting used to the NFL for a couple of seasons and then turn him loose. I think those are the two teams picking in the top ten, I think, are the best fits for Anthony Richardson. You mentioned Bjorn Robinson. So you have a running back going early? I didn't say I would have him going early in a mock draft, Lee. I just said talent-wise, I think he's a top-10 talent in the draft. I would still not draft him early. Okay, so will there be a running back in the first round? Could be, too. Uh, I think B. John Robinson's definitely going to go in the first round. I think as we get towards the back end of the first round, you could see um, teams, maybe even the Bengals, small like the Bengals or um, you know the Chiefs or somewhere along those lines, so, and, you know, think back in the first round, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama could be in play there for some of those teams. I think he uh, he had a great showing at the combine as well. So, you know, you could see him sneaking into the bottom bottom end of that round one. Brian, uh, we're going to change the, the, the name of deep fried to grilled, right? Is that is that what we're doing? <laughs> but baked fried draft just don't have that same <laughs> ring to it, does it, Mark? Hey, man, we appreciate the time. Uh, how can people continue to follow your coverage as we get closer to the draft? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft and go to DraftCountdown.com. We've got daily daily uh, posts up there every day. Uh, we've got a seven-round mock draft up from yesterday, uh, so everybody go check that out. Hey, man, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yep. All right, continue with your comments in the, uh, in the app. Did we get a uh, qualifier, Nick, for the uh, WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge? We did. David is our first qualifier. All right. Well, fear not, folks. Uh, we're going to do this three more times today at some point throughout. So just listen for uh, one shining moment, and you will be the latest to qualify for our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's on March 15th. Up for grabs, a uh, TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress, and we will announce another part of that grand prize coming up in a little bit more than an hour so stay tuned for that all right we're gonna catch up with david green next travis ryer at seven o'clock jerry palm uh at 7 30 eric at home on the saints and the combine uh and ronnie arrow on the jags continue with your comments we want to hear from you guys on south alabama's uh game last night and of course your reaction to the saints newest savior Derek carr we have already heard from nick we will not be hearing from him again on this issue. I thought that was your cue to jump in and, and say something real quick, but I guess not. All right, wrapping up hour number one next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, I'm a former Major League Baseball player, Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. Your busy hour on uh, this Tuesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. All right, it's time to usher in uh, David Green from the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. Uh, David, welcome to the show on a Tuesday. Good morning as we switch days with you. Good morning. Good morning, and uh, glad to be. I'm glad to be here on Tuesday. 
All right. We've a little t- early. Yeah, well, we've oftentimes talked about uh, car accidents, being injured, insurance, and so forth. Let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to get into the particulars. There's a major, major case out there because of a trial that went on in South Carolina, but we'll we'll put that aside, involving a boating accident from years ago. But I'm curious, if I'm out there on a boat, and let's say, and we're talking about boating accidents now, and let's say I get injured because, well, the driver of another boat or the captain or you want to call him had, uh, let's say maybe had too much to drink or wasn't paying attention hits my boat i get injured what recourse do i have well i'll tell you what um, in alabama of course that that matter happened in another state and, and their laws are somewhat similar but uh, in alabama you have a a major case uh against the driver the boat owner um, and perhaps even the bar where the individual may have been drinking and so uh, it's, it's treated very, very similarly uh, to an auto crash. Uh, the driver uh, can be charged with a crime, um, the, the one that was drinking and caused the injury. But uh, if you're involved in any type of boating accident, boating injury, you need to talk to a personal injury lawyer that handles that type of case. Um, the lawyers at Green and Phillips, we've handled a number of cases over the years. Those type crashes can be very, very serious. Um, you know, you've got you know, someone is ejected from a boat. Um, there can be a drowning. There can be many other uh, types of things that type of things that occur. But they really need to talk to someone that handles this type of case because there's some really interesting and somewhat difficult laws to navigate through um, in order to make sure that someone is made whole uh, if they're hurt like this. Uh, I'm going to throw this out because I just don't know. I, I don't, I've never owned a boat and I've never gone that route. So do boat owners have to have liability insurance, too, like you do if you're driving a vehicle? The same thing? You know, they, they generally do not, uh, but most boat owners do have insurance. And so you, you do see that uh, boaters uh, do have insurance, and that's something that is going to take care of you if you're injured. Uh, there's all types of coverages that are available out there. And so you, you wind up seeing situations where there, there is. Now, like anything else, um, some, some boat owners choose not to have, have insurance. But, you know, generally they're going to have insurance and they're going, that's going to be able to cover uh, your injuries. And it works very similarly to auto crashes, but there are some caveats and differences that do make a difference. So you really need to talk to someone that knows what they're, what they're doing. David, how can people get in touch with you or members of your law firm if, uh, if a case comes up? It's very simple. Uh, you can reach us at 251-300-2000 uh, here in Mobile. Uh, that's the main office, 51 North Florida Street, or the Forbes Building in downtown Birmingham. You never need an appointment at Green and Phillips. Just stop in. We'd be glad to give you some advice, um, help you out, and uh, perhaps uh, you know, get you the information that you need to make uh, an, an informed decision on what lawyer you may want to hire. Hey, David, as always, we appreciate it, man. Have a great week. All right, guys. God bless. Take care. Yep. Uh, Travis Ryer coming up at the top of the hour. Jerry Palm in hour number two as well. Uh, Eric Edholm and Ronnie Arrow in hour number three. You know, I was when I booked Eric, I thought we'd be talking about the combine, but now I'm more interested in Derek Carr going to the Saints. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about this earlier. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic might be the best word. I'm not excited about it at all because – one, uh, I, I don't think he played all that well in the past year, but <clears throat> I think the Saints are a better 
team today than they were yesterday. So, so I would ask that's you. That's not saying a whole lot. So I would ask you, and, and not trying to put you on the spot or anything, but who else out there would have been better? If you remember when we had Aaron the Rodgers. See, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't want him. I, you I would. I you'd rather Derek Carr than Aaron. I've said that long ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, because you're going to have Carr. I don't. I just can't grasp Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what he wants to do. Carr wants to go to the Saints. I don't know if we're even going to see. Here are the options with Rodgers. He goes back to Green Bay. He retires, or they trade him to maybe the Jets or somebody else. I don't know. I just. I don't know if he's at 39, 40, the answer for the Saints. I'm not saying Carr is. I'm just saying what was available, that's the guy I like. You guys are forgetting about the most important wrinkle in the Derek Carr signing. It's the reuniting of Derek Carr and his first ever NFL head coach, Dennis Allen. They went 0-4 together, and he was fired in the middle of the season. So, so that's what we should be talking about. So, it just, where do you uh, come up with this stuff? Something to look forward to, okay. Saints fans. All right, okay. And and you, of course, gushing over Lamar Jackson playing for the Falcons, even though he's with the Ravens. For now, I guarantee this. I'll guarantee. Whatever uh, quarterback suits up for the Atlanta Falcons next year, he's gonna have a better year than Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> um by the way, I think I think you you misrepresented the the Owen 4. It would have been worse. Like they would have lost by more if those two were not married. I mean, did you hear did you see Alan's comments though? What did he say? About about that he said, "In addition to his talent, I admired his approach to the game, work ethic and commitment to get better every day in what were the formative stages of his career." If if dude's committed to getting better every day, he gotta he gotta you know, readjust. You know what, Nick? He's not doing that. There is a dilemma here. You're always on. Well, Mark's case maybe mine about knocking the NBA, but you never have a nice thing to say about the Saints ever. That's not true. No, it is true. You're always you're always casting stones, dispersions, disgust at the same. What same. did I say that in, in, in view of the Atlanta Falcons, who really are no world beaters? Yet. <laughs> Yet. Look, I'm just I'm just I'm just getting y'all ready. I'm trying to get you ready so it doesn't just catch you by surprise uh next year when the Falcons start the season six and two. Uh, and they go and win the division. I'm just trying to get you guys prepared. That's all I'm doing. What's wrong with that? Six and two? Yep. Tape that. Just make sure we get that in a promo or something like that, just in case. No, he was riding with um, Mariota last year. I know. Yeah. And how'd that go? Where's he now? Is he even with the team? Is he going to sign on? or? Uh, no, we cut him. No, I know, I know, but I mean, has he signed on with anybody yet? I know you cut him. I don't believe so. So what do you have left? You have Desmond Ritter. Who else is there? Oh, you know who's Ritter. available? Brian Hoyer's available. The Patriots uh, let him go. Cam maybe Newton's maybe still out there. New Orleans is a backup once Andy and Jameis hit the road. All I'm saying is, look, well, Lee, you may like this because you think Andy Dalton's better than Tom Brady, 
But is Derek Carr even that different? I think Andy, Andy Dalton, Dalton is better right now. Paid forty more million a year. Brady's not there, so obviously Dalton is better since Brady's retired. So you you take Dalton over Brady, oh. and 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 Carr over Rodgers. Back when you brought this up, you said who would you rather have, Dalton Brady? I said I'd rather have Derek Carr. So we'll see how it works out. It may not, but at least I know that. He should get over three thousand yards passing. Yeah, I think that's an over over. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's an accomplishment it once was. I mean, if you're not thrown for three thousand yards, you're now considered uh, it's a it's a bad year. That used to be the benchmark for a good year, like thirty years ago, or and now it's if you're not shoot, throw, uh, passing for three thousand yards, you're, you're having a bad year. Well, then that explains why the Saints haven't been doing well lately. That's hey, the only reason. That's, that's okay. it. Just Y'all had... got that fresh used car right off the lot. Mm-hmm. Got good. Well, we didn't even get good finance, and that thing was expensive. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Carfax. Here comes Travis Ryer next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP and WNSP.com. It's the uh, opening kickoff. Stay with us. kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com the latest sports news traffic weather and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian the opening kickoff kickoff here are Mark and Lee all right, 7.04, and hour number two on this Tuesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. It's Mark and Lee right here on the sports station, WNSP. Some of our headlines, uh, free agent quarterback Derek Carr is now a saint. Geno Smith re-ups with Seattle. Calvin Ridley reinstated by the NFL. He's going to be playing for Jacksonville. And in the NCAA tournament, Furman, is in for the first time since 1980. Louisiana beat South Alabama last night in Pensacola, 71-66. They are going for the first time since 2014, denying the Jags their first NCAA tournament berth since the 2008 season. It was a very – go ahead. No, I was going to say it's a tough, tough game for, for South. I felt like they had them. There was a point there where Louisiana got the technical foul after the South um, – South bucket, and I thought at that point they were going to extend and, and, and maybe give themselves a little bit of a cushion, and it just didn't happen. I mean, they just struggled from the free throw line. They struggled to shoot the ball in the second half and score some points, and they couldn't get stops down the stretch when they needed them most. Yeah, most of the shots were Isaiah Moore, and the layups he was making in the first half just weren't clicking in the second half. But you know who's clicking right now is Travis Ryer from Bama Online 24-7. Travis, welcome. How are you today? 
I'm great. How are you guys? I got a lot of ground to cover with you. Number one, we'll go to basketball. How important is it, in your opinion, for Alabama to win this SEC basketball tournament, or is it? Yeah, I don't think it's – I guess we're wondering exactly what, what realm we're talking about. In terms of a number one seed, uh, it would obviously cement that, perhaps the number one overall seed. Uh, I think to, to garner one of the top seeds of the four – I don't think it needs to win the the SEC tournament outright. I think Joe Lenardi in his latest bracketology has Alabama as the number two overall, but certainly to win a game or two um, would help cement that as a one seed. And we get so caught up in in top seeds and seeding, and uh, as we know, uh, the draw is what's you know most important. Obviously, if you can be a one seed, that's great, but. Uh, if you're a one seed with a unfavorable draw, it, it kind of goes out the window. So uh, Brandon Miller gets not only freshman of the year but player of the year. You surprised a little bit about this, or uh, this saw you saw this coming? I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but there was part of me that wondered, uh, especially after the the week he had with um, I guess South Carolina and Arkansas, and uh, you know he really wasn't honored in any way for the performance that week. I know Nick Smith Jr. of Arkansas had a great week too. So it was intriguing to see how that would play out with the postseason awards. I mean, when you talk about is on the four performance, um, there's no doubt he should have been the SEC player of the year and the newcomer of the year. But uh, in light of, of, of the, the blowback and, and, and everything that has transpired, certainly in the tragic passing of, in the wake of the tragic passing of Jamia Harris, um, you still had to wonder a little bit. Do you think that's going to die down? And, and again, what you brought up about the uh, tragic shooting death and all the drama surrounding Alabama uh, regarding that, do you think that's going to die down in this tournament up there in Nashville? You know, I think the event itself um, is big enough that, you know, it's more or less going to come down to you know, how Alabama goes about handling it more from a, a press conference perspective. Uh, you know, a, a lot of it didn't really flare back up until you had some, some comments that were made by Nate. And, um, you know, the, the, the pregame introduction situation with Brandon Miller. Um, you know, I think if, if those situations uh, kind of go status quo from what we've seen here in the last week or so, uh, it'll be more about basketball. And so uh, that's the hope, certainly, uh, as, as we get into that event and more into the NCAA tournament. Talking with Travis Ryer, BAM Online 24-7, we had this discussion yesterday. Your reaction to Nick Saban's comments, if, in fact, he gets LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee in a 3-6 scheduling model, which, of course, is not confirmed yet, but that's that it's out there. Yeah, I think you probably should have expected them. Uh, you look at those three teams right now. I know Auburn had a down year, but typically Auburn is is going to be in the in the top half of the league. Um, you know, LSU the same. Uh, Tennessee very much on the rise under Josh Heupel. Uh, you know, I don't think it was surprising, uh, but I also don't think it's surprising that if in fact it plays out that way, that's what the SEC and probably more specifically. ESPN would like to see happen is, you know, Alabama on the field against 
uh, you know, those three teams and, uh, you know, not, not much in the way of a let up if those are its, its three permanents moving forward. So uh, I'm not surprised Nick went ahead and, and got that out there in the universe, I guess, so to speak, and, and see where it goes from there. He plays him every year anyway. I don't, I don't know what the big deal is. It's not like they're, it's not like you're playing Georgia. Yeah, but you know when you start adding Texas and possibly Oklahoma to that mix, um, you know, it, 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 you know, you, you mentioned Georgia, and Georgia could be in a similar situation too. You know, if it maintains um, Auburn and Florida, um, and then perhaps Tennessee, I, I guess. You know, part of it, too, is you're looking at what about if you're playing Tennessee every year, is Tennessee still playing Kentucky and Vanderbilt every year to go along with Alabama? I think that's where you get a little bit of uh, an inconsistency in terms of uh, the competitiveness uh, being more consistent throughout the, the league. That's that's going to be tough. I mean, you know, it, it is. I mean, you have to take all those factors into account and um, – and also the fact that ESPN just wrote a huge check and certainly wants the the best games it can get. You know, and part of this too is we know we're going to an expanded playoff, so there is going to be bit a bit more of a net that that's underneath you if you're playing that type of schedule. And part of it too is non-conference scheduling because teams have gone ahead and started to schedule some more home and homes, and you know, I, I think taking a, a more aggressive approach to non-conference. Uh, scheduling based on the expanded playoff, but you know now you start expanding leagues, and um, that part of the schedule, if you go to nine games, becomes tougher. It, it's uh, it's an interesting situation to consider from a scheduling perspective. Uh, would I don't know if it would have appeased Nick Saban, but I think uh, the few naysayers to that three-game permanent schedule, the first thing that comes to mind is Mississippi State because of the geographic location. Do you think that would have appeased the the naysayers and Nick Saban if you would have just gotten rid of, I don't know, LSU and, 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 and gone to Starkville instead? I'm selfish. I want those three teams that he doesn't want, you know, as a consumer and as someone who covers the sport. But I get it from his perspective um, as far as competitive balance goes. Yeah, I mean, proximity to Starkville and also um, you, you talk about the, 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 the number of times that those two teams have played. Um, uh, it, it's up there with the oldest rivalries or the series in the, in the league for sure. So, um, but they could do that. Um, I, I personally would hate to see any of those three go for Alabama on a on a yearly basis. But again, I get it in terms of competitive balance. What what Nick's kind of already pushing for? Hasn't he always said, "I want to play the best"? Well, yeah, I, I think he wants to play. I think he has said that. But I, I mean, I don't think he said he wants to play LSU every weekend. Oh, I think I don't the, know. Maybe know, maybe you've heard that, but I, I don't. I, I haven't heard him say he wants to play top five teams every week. I think he he's talked about there definitely needs to be a need um, for more relevancy in scheduling. Um, I don't think he's a big fan of uh, you know the three or four bye games a year, and I think he gets it from a fan perspective that if you want to have the best of all these revenue streams, you want to have the TV money, you want to have the ticket money, um, you're going to have to schedule up. So he has been a proponent for tougher schedules. Um, uh, but I think he's also, you know, as a coach would be, he's in favor of competitive balance too. 
Yeah, I think that was the thing. It's not that he, I think he does want to play those teams. He just wants everybody to have to play those teams. Right. When do they begin practice, spring pra- uh, spring training? Uh, I think it's March 20th, Lee. Okay. I'm just curious. Hey, I got another question. Uh, the softball pitcher, Montana Fouts, uh, player of the week, perfect game. Could you could you stand in there against her and get a foul tip? Uh, in a previous lifetime, maybe. You know, in a previous lifetime, I actually played. There actually used to be men's fast pitch softball, a lot of it, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Um, and I actually, my, my father played for years. And then my older brother and myself uh, kind of followed suit in our early 20s. So we would go down to Clearwater, Florida and play a team called the Clearwater Bombers that was one of the best fast pitch teams in the world. I mean, they would, they literally were professional fast pitch. They'd bring in pitchers from New Zealand and Australia um, and pay them, you know. So it was, uh, it was tough. But, um, yeah, in a previous lifetime, maybe in this lifetime right now, uh, I'm going to go no. So in, a, in another world, us yeah. as fans, we would have wanted you to see – we would have wanted you to play them every year. But as a player, you would have liked to them rotate yeah. it off once a year. I liked, so. I liked playing the Clearwater Bombers, but I also liked playing the Tuscaloosa Travelers. <laughs> you know, there was some competitive balance there in the, in, you know, when we would play those teams. So does she, does she like they have a game tonight? Does she pitch tonight? I would guess she would not. I think she pitched their last game of the weekend. Um, so we're only a couple of nights removed from that. I would guess that uh, she would not. I think they're going out to Austin coming up. So that's going to be, you know, a very competitive weekend where they're certainly going to need her at least for a couple of starts. And then, you know, you got to consider too that she's their closer this year as well. When she doesn't pitch, when she doesn't start, so I, I would go with no tonight. Travis, uh, as always, we appreciate it. Uh, tell everybody how they can get the latest on all things Alabama. Just go to bamaonline.com or alabama.247sports.com. Either way, will get you to us. Hey, man, good talking to you. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. In the, uh, in the app, if you can't see the logic of Saban's complaint, you're just a hater. The other big teams are rumored to play two other big teams and one bottom half team. UA is the only one rumored to be playing three big teams. Let that marinate for a bit. We can come back. Scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, your comments when we come back. Uh, Jerry Palm at 730. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNFP. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's Get on that phone at 694-1055 and get qualified for the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. That's right. Coming up on March 15th uh, at Moe's, we're having our March Madness party. Uh, We're qualifying 58 of you. That's right. Be the first one right now to be on. You'll be the second qualifier between us and the final drive. You guys get qualified. You show up at Moe's. We are going to give a team away. You win, you get a team, and that team wins the national championship. 
wins the bracket, you get a TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress. And come up in about 25 minutes, we're going to tell you what else you win. It's going to be a doozy, so you're going to want to listen up in about 25 minutes for that. Uh, we will continue to qualify throughout the course of today and every day leading up to the party. I think we're going to qualify twice more before we get out of here today. And while uh, Nick is manning the phones there, it'll give me a chance to tell you guys about uh, my good friend Aiden Marks over at Medicare Insurance Advisors. For those that aren't sure what Medicare Insurance Advisors are, it's, it's an independent Medicare insurance and dental insurance firm. Um, they're locally owned and community-driven uh, and they're contracted by many carriers. So over the the weeks or months we've been talking about this, I tell you that Aiden works with multiple carriers. It's like Medicare Advantage, Medicare uh, Supplement, Medicare Part D, and others, right? So um, his job is to educate clients and provide options so uh, he can help folks like you make informed decisions year after year. So if you're 65, if you're within a year of retirement, uh, and you need some information, there's a lot of it out there on Medicare. He can help you navigate those waters. So uh, if you're confused, tired of those nonstop solicitation calls, or you need a local agent, man, Aiden Marks is local, knowledgeable, and he has a physical location you can go to. His office is in uh, Daphne on Highway 98 across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. Go see him, uh, or he can come see you. Never a fee for his services. Give him a call, 463 Four six three zero zero three one. That's Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors. Uh, Nick, who qualified for the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge? That would be Derek. All right, nice job, Derek. So from here on, if you hear one shining moment, be the first one to get Nick on the phone, and uh, you can get qualified. All right. So when we left, Lee, someone suggested um, that you're just being a hater if. If uh, that word hater again, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a bad word to use. If 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 we disagree with Nick, you mean? Yeah, uh, well, the other big teams rumored to play two others. Here, here's the problem: you're Alabama. You shouldn't be concerned about playing anybody. In the last ten years, because they look at ten years, right? The past ten years, they're eight and two against LSU. They're seven and three against Auburn, and they're nine and one against Tennessee. Combined, you're twenty four and six against your permanent yeah. opponents. That doesn't sound too bad. If you're the okay, the best team in the SEC is Georgia. They're not playing Georgia. <laughs> Need I say more? If if what about the Vanderbilt coach? Does he have an argument? He he's got to play three. We don't know who they are yet. You got to figure what. I, I guess Tennessee might be one. I don't know. I don't know who they're going to play. Maybe Auburn. How about Auburn's Hugh Freeze? You got to play Alabama and Georgia. I don't hear him complaining. Right. Right. He you automatically don't. First of all, like you said. Alabama doesn't play the best team in the in the right, con they don't. In, in, in the conference, and you don't play the second best team in the conference because you are the second best exactly. team right now, with the chance of overtaking Georgia in the next couple years anyway. So I, I mean, what do you, and you're still going to have to play quality SEC opponents in addition to this. Why not keep these rivalries in these great games? I just I don't understand. Like I get Nick. Nick's going out and he's he's planning that seat early, so before it becomes a reality. They'll do a double take or they'll pause and they'll say, hey, whether they consciously or subconsciously remember Nick was saying something, let's go back and revisit this. You know, I thought Travis brought up a good point, too, about the TV. I don't know how much input ESPN, but I have to believe they have some, if not a lot. 
as far as, you know, games they like to see. And obviously they want the best matchups. And let's face it, over the years. And and look, as an Alabama fan out there, do you not want to see Alabama play LSU? Of Come on. Of Be honest about it. Do you not want to see Alabama continue its series with Tennessee? I mean, this goes way, way back, uh, the rivalry and so forth. So I don't see where there's any complaints at all. And and I think that for anybody to say that what we're, we're hating Alabama, that's ridiculous. It, it makes no sense because these are the games you want to see. And obviously, you're not going to disrupt the Alabama-Auburn series. But, Mark, you brought up a great point. What was it? Again, go over those numbers again, what they've so done. So, in the last 10, they're 8-2 and two against LSU in the last 10. They're 7-3 and three against Auburn in the last 10. And 9-1 and one against Tennessee in the last 10. So, they're 24-6 and six against their common Gee, opponents. Gee, that's well, – I'm scared. Now, what has some, not all, but a couple of Alabama fans hesitating, though, is that you're coming off losses to two of the three of them. By a point or two. Right. One overtime. You know what's going to be interesting? But I don't want to see him play Kentucky or South no, Carolina. No, of course not. You don't get excited about no. that. And you're not going to take your kids, I don't kids to, up there and spend. I know, I know Starkville's right around the corner, but I don't want to see Not Alabama after what they've State. done to Mississippi State. Let's see what happens with Georgia. And here's the best part. You're still going to see those games. Alabama fans complain about they don't schedule good enough home games. Here, here you go. Being haters. <sighs> Jerry Palm's next. Stay with us. We're at the halfway point of the opening kickoff. Stay with us. In the opening kickoff continues. Mark and Lee right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Again, not only do you have a couple more chances to get in on the WNSP March Madness matchup challenge, we have a little Chick-fil-A coming up for you here uh, at some point before we get out of here as well. We just we just keep giving, Lee. And we're going to continue to do so because we even have a Chick-fil-A giveaway coming up at 820 this morning. How about that? Let's talk some uh, basketball. We're efforting. But, yeah, we can continue to talk with uh, others as well. Uh, you want to get in on the South game? We talked a lot about that earlier. You can get it in the app, and we'll, we'll have some time for you to give us a call here at, uh, at some point later in the show. Two more teams yesterday made it to the uh, NCAA tournament. That would be Louisiana beating the Jags and Furman. My gosh, 1980 was the last time they went. That's when I came to Mobile in, in 1980. Um, we'll get about four more tonight. We're up to seven right now that have actually qualified for the NCAA tournament. Mark, some of them, let's say the Power Fives get underway. The ACC, they begin today uh, with some of the also-rans uh, playing some of the what I consider the, the play-in type games. And then, of course, the SEC gets going tomorrow with uh, two games on tap. And then it really will pick up as you get towards Friday and Saturday. And then Selection Sunday next, uh, well, Sunday, of course, when they reveal the 68-team field. All right, you guys can jump in. 694-1055. How many of you guys watched the South game? Uh, very frustrating that they these guys were so close. Uh, and I for a second there, I thought they were going to pull it out. They just couldn't get stops late. And, uh, and free throws continued to be an issue uh for this south team but man 
you talk about an individual performance. I mean, you knew exactly where he was going and how he was going to score, and he still did it. They, Louisiana had no answer, but uh, at the end of the day, they just kind of ran out of gas. Yeah, and you could look at some of the, the stats, like the free throw shooting. Although, really, that you know, it, it came out sounding worse than it really was because it was really only one guy who hadn't shot free throws all season long well at all. I mean, way under the radar. Uh, that was Samuels who had the difficulties at the line. And the only two others that went to the line, Isaiah Miller— I, I have never I don't think I've ever seen a, a guard get into the lane and take that many shots. He took twenty shots and I would have to say, Mark, most of those were right around the, the lane. Usually outside shooters are shooting up threes. He only took three two three pointers, but he's not a very good three point shooter according to the stats. And Isaiah Moore, I should say Isaiah Moore was only like nineteen percent this year from the three-point line, if you're wondering why he wasn't shooting threes, uh, especially near the end of the game when they needed a three, and they went with Owen White, who was 0 for 3, and he had been, I guess, one of their best three-point shooters. But I got to tell you, and I know it was a career night for him with 33 points, but it seemed like he was really the, 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 the total offense for the team because when he penetrated like he did, he was also setting up the big guys to get shots underneath, dunks, and things like that. And if he was fatigued, I can't blame him. I was tired watching him. He was so unbelievable, so electrifying, and with his assortment of shots in the lane. Now, the, the, in, the, in the first half, he was making most of those layups. In the second half, they were close, but they weren't falling. Yeah, uh, and they were, as a team, they were just horrific from the three-point line. Um, and Louisiana's scoring was a lot more balanced. And generally... <clears throat> I feel like if you can get, I'd rather have three or four guys around that eight to 14 mark than to have one guy or two guys go off for 16, 18, 20, or in this case, 30, right? Because you're getting, you're getting more pro productivity from different spots. It's more difficult to defend. Uh, and I just felt like South clearly went with a short bench. The starters logged a lot of minutes, a lot of heavy minutes. Um, what do you think of uh, Coach Ritchie double-teaming Jordan Brown, the uh, Louisiana star who was the MVP of the tournament and who had burned them badly in their last game? His numbers were pedestrian for him, but maybe the double-team worked, but it did free up other players. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to go into games like this and you're going to have to decide, who who am I going to let beat me? And, and I think Ritchie, because he had gotten beaten by him before, said, if we lose, we're not going to let him beat us. And so I thought there were times... And it, it's not just double teaming. It's when when you double team and where you double team from. And I thought on a number of occasions it worked out for South. I, I thought it, it forced him in some corners. Uh, and and they. But I thought Louisiana moved the ball well in certain in certain trips down the floor. I thought they passed the ball extremely well and made the open open or and, the extra pass. And to that point, Louisiana seemed to put more emphasis on Owen White. Uh, because he had a very good tournament leading up to last night's game. Now, last night, he was like 0 for 3 from the three-point stripe, and he took the final three-pointer, which just can't, it was, looked like it had a chance, but it didn't. It would have uh, uh, sent that game maybe into overtime. So they emphasized that, and that freed up Isaiah Moore, I guess, to give him more, more yeah, room so, in the lane. So I was debating, because uh, at that point, I think there were like 12 seconds left for that final play. Yes. And I was, we were kind of debating amongst ourselves, do you have time for one more quick two steal foul scenario, or do you have to take the three there? Um, 
And when they started walking it up, it was clear like they were just going to go down there and try to tie it there. They had go back a ways when they had, I think it was, what, 17 or 18 seconds, and they went for the two. And Okay, and I understood that. I thought with under 12, 11, your best bet is the three-pointer. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I don't think he had the best look because he, he shot that, that thing from way outside. Yeah, I thought he, that was a little long. I did too. I, I didn't understand that. But apparently there's – Apparently, the Jags really did not have that much confidence in the three-point shot because they didn't shoot that many yesterday. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age, when teams are firing up threes from all over the place, I think they only took, what, 11 or 12 and hit three, yeah. something like that. And and Moore is not a three-point shooter based on the stats. Owen White is, and that's where Louisiana put the pressure. Yeah. Uh, it was a hell of a run by South Alabama. We talk about this athletic uh, department as a whole, though, having to take the next step, right? Uh, we talked about it in football. We're talking about it in basketball now. Uh, this was clearly not the season that Richie envisioned, but he was right there where, where as South Alabama fans, you want this team to be, which is a shot at the NCAA tournament. He got that shot. Uh, they came up a little short. It is a daunting task to get through that tournament, though. I feel like there's an extra round in this tournament than there should be. To have to win four games is 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 tough, but uh, they ended on a hot streak, uh, and they got to where we wanted them to be. They just could they just couldn't finish there at the end. You know, I looked at this from two ways yesterday. We had we had friends over, and we're watching the game, and I was trying to explain. Now, in one thing, it is very tough to go through four games in five days. Okay, no matter what you say, it's very very tough. You beat the top seed the other day. You beat James Madison, but now you have to beat a team that you already beat twice. Now, I've been in situations broadcasting where the team I was broadcasting for beat a team twice and then lost in the tournament. So I was kind of hanging my hat on that, hoping that maybe the fact that if you buy into it, it's tough to beat a team three times. Well, we found out yesterday for Louisiana, it was not. And South Alabama got off to a really good start. They stayed. They had the halftime lead. They were shooting very well. I think they were at 60%. But a lot of that was uh, Isaiah Moore and his driving layups. And when he wasn't driving layups, he was dishing off for Samuel to dunk the ball. So things were looking good. But you still, and Mark, this is why I agree with you, Louisiana was more balanced in scoring. And I think it showed later in the game because they had like three or four guys that could count on. Yeah. Whereas South Alabama really was a, it was really two people. Yeah, and I thought Louisiana did a good job, especially late, uh, of of subbing offense for defense. And here's and want, fouling the right guy when you had to foul. And that's where I was going to go with this. And and if when we get Richie on, I hope we get him on this week. I hope he's available to join us. What do you do when you have the big guy, but he can't hit free throws? Do you stay with him late in the game? Uh, I think he came out, didn't he? I think he came yeah, out I think late you in the pull game. Him, I think you pull him and you try to you try to sub him by possession. So you try to get him in defensively for rebounding, um, and then you try to get him off the floor on the offensive side. But to your point, though, if your game plan is to drive and create and then dish. Um, other than the free throws, I thought he played a really good game. I thought he affected the game but yeah late in the game um especially late in the game although the, you know louisiana is certainly not trying to foul there late in the game but um yeah i think you have to you're robbing peter to pay paul in a lot of the situations but didn't the announcers bring that up though when uh, louisiana had that lead at the end that was at three points i think do you go out and foul 
South Alabama. Send him to the line for two because you're still going to be, at the very least, leading by a point with seconds to go. That's that's one of the that's one of the real interesting issues with coaches. When do you foul when you have that scant lead? Yeah, so I tried that once in a throwaway summer league, and the referees we fouled on the floor, and they called it a uh, a shooting foul. They went to the foul, they went to the line and won the game. So I, I I won't do that again. A couple years ago, that happened to me where where we were up and they needed a shot to win. So there was only like four seconds left. So we fouled on the floor so they couldn't get a shot up and they'd have to inbound it again. And they said he was in the act of shooting because when we went to foul him, he just threw his hands up. So um, never again, never again. Who was I, the, I, I was listening to the, an interview with, I'm trying to remember the coach, and said, "When we, we, we will foul, but we'll always go after the first ball handler before he can pass it to the guy who could shoot. You know, get, before they come over midcourt, foul yeah. him before he comes over midcourt, so you don't send him to the line for three. Well, I mean, if you're smart, you're getting the 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 first pass you're making from the inbounds is to your best free throw shooter. Um, and that's what happened yesterday yeah. with South Alabama when they fouled. Remember, yeah. and and their best free throw shooter went to the line and sank two yeah. late in the yeah, game. It, but that goes back to my point that he subbed that guy in because we were talking about it's not as easy to to hit two free throws uh, coming off the bench and sitting there. And not only did he make the first one, then he like walked over to the bench and was talking to one of the assistants, came back on, got the ball and hit the second one. That that was cold blooded right there. That was cold blooded. Um, <clears throat> By the way, uh, speaking of basketball, we do we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about um, Giannis, uh, the uh, and his triple double and whether or not it should have counted. Uh, he, if you remember, at the end of the game, he, he was basically dribbling it out. He needed one last rebound, so he kind of lobbed it against the backboard and grabbed it, and they gave him the triple double. Well, the next day, yesterday, they took that rebound away. Mark, I didn't know that the NBA, I, I learned a lot from this. I didn't know that they have somebody that scrutinizes every stat. And, and, and I remember you used to tell me, well, you do, you tell me you keep stats like at the McGill game, right? Can you imagine how many people do this? Let's say you got six, seven, eight, nine games going. They go, they go back and review every stat. And, 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 and it's, it was said in the story I read that they regularly change stats. I didn't realize they did that. I mean, that's why you have scorekeepers right at the game. But apparently there must be some higher ups. And I can't imagine just sitting there and having to go through a game and, and say, well, was that an assist or was that not an assist? Do we give them a block? Do we do this? Do we do that? Well, I think the issue here is what's, what's interesting about this story is that the league has come out and said there has to be intent. The ball is tipped and there you your life all right 7:52 you hear it that's your cue give us a call 694-1055 it's the WNSP March Madness matchup challenge that's right uh, be the latest to qualify and a chance to get in our March Madness competition. You know how it works. When you get qualified, come on down to Moe's on March 15th where we're having the party. We will give you or select a team for you. That team wins the bracket. You 
are the big winner. Up for grabs, a TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress. And we have a special guest, Lee, to tell us what else you hit when you hit the jackpot. Let's welcome in Ryan Foster. Morning, How you doing, buddy? Doing great, doing great. Good, with uh, Gulf Coast Water Rentals. So what else is going to be part of our grand prize super excited to be here this morning so a part of the grand prize is going to be one hour or two one hour jet ski rentals with us gulf coast water rentals anywhere we can take these anywhere right you cannot take them anywhere i can't go to myrtle <laughs> beach i can't you go to hilton cannot, head and drive these things so around many calls like hey can i come and grab one no unfortunately no you can't do that but we are on dog river and uh, there's a huge ride area that we have you can take them anywhere within that ride area it's a three and a half mile radius and uh, you can, you know, you can go anywhere within that within that designated zone. And what's what's I didn't know this before today, but you guys are the only uh, business that caters to this in Mobile County. We're the only one. Well, we're or in Mobile, right? In Mobile, yeah. yeah. We're the only jet ski rental company in Mobile. And actually, this year, I'm excited to announce that we also have um, pontoons. So we got our first pontoon boat that we're adding to the fleet this year. And I'm uh, super excited about it. It's the Sea-Doo pontoon. It is uh, the only jet-powered pontoon uh, on the market, and uh, it's amazing. But for this giveaway, it's two one-hour jet ski rentals. Why did? How did you get started with this? It's, it's, I know it's a new business, but gotcha. relatively new. Yes. So how how did you get interested? So last year was our first year. So we got started. Um, it's you know being out on the water doing the uh, jet skis, the boats. It's a it's a passion of mine. I grew up doing it, and I uh, noticed that we kind of had a void here in the city. Uh, for someone providing that service. Everybody goes to Orange Beach, Gulf Shores, Pensacola. And so now you don't have to do that. You know, we saw, you know, the need and uh, decided to try to, you know, launch something here in Mobile. All right. Uh, before we go further, how can people reach you or anybody at your business who are listening and say, hey, I, I want to take advantage of that? Absolutely. Go to our website, gulfcoastwaterrentals.com, gulfcoastwaterrentals.com. And from the website, there's links to our Facebook page, our Instagram we're pretty active on social media, so check us out. Give us an example of these vehicles. Like, how many can ride on them? All of them are three seaters, but we limited to two adults. You don't want to see three adults on a on a on a jet ski. It's it's not a good uh, it's it's not a good event. So yes, two adults. Uh, we we will allow uh, two adults and a small child, but they are full size. Uh, jet skis. Your dad is a very famous radio personality. <laughs> he is. What if somebody calls you up and says, "Hey, can I get a ride with Ron?" Is that a chance? Uh, yeah, well, I don't can know. Can you get him that. out there? Can you get him out, Ron Anthony? Can you get him out there? I don't know. I don't know. We we'll have to see about that. I mean, he might, uh, you know, watch, but uh, I don't know. He might be willing to get out. I, I can't. I can't speak to that. He's a great guy, and he was actually the first host of WNSP Sports back in the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. It, this is the first time I'm hearing of that. So yeah, yeah that that was uh, that was uh, good to do hear. Do you feel right That's at home? I you do. Feel absolutely. Right? Taking. All right, so those that win, they get this three-and-a-half-mile area to go. And for the record, uh, it, it these things are equipped with anti-collision software. So these things aren't bumper boats. Let's let's make they're, this they're very not, clear. Right, right, right. So um, they are equipped with anti-collision software, uh, geofencing, uh, GPS units. So I can see where they are. Um, but the geofencing zone is set, and if you go outside of that area, It'll bring you down to about five miles an hour. Nobody really wants to be on a jet ski. No, five miles. No, an hour. not at all. All right, so uh, this is one of the. This is a great prize uh, for you guys. So be listening for our sounder throughout the course of today. We're going to continue to qualify and uh, and on the final drive as well, uh, guys. This is a prize valued at like two hundred and fifty bucks. So this is really cool. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming by. Tell everybody again. 
um, how they can get more information uh, about Gulf Coast water rentals and uh, if they want to make plans. Man, spring break's coming up. Absolutely. Spring break's coming up, so uh, make your reservations. You want to make sure that if you want to come out that you uh, you reserve your space and you don't show up and there's nothing available. Uh, but gulfcoastwaterrentals.com. Okay, and how fast do they go? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say 40 miles an hour. You have to say 40. I have to say 40 miles All right. an hour. All right. How fast have you gotten it to go? Well, I can remove, um, you know, the uh, restrictions. Hypothetically, so. rhetorically, of course. Hypothetically, I may have done about 60 on it. Nice. Very cool. Well, we can't thank you enough, not only for coming in, but making this part of our March Madness prize pack. It's, it's very cool, and it's it's one of those things that at this time of year, man, people are always looking to get out on the water, and now you don't have to go all the way to Gulf Shores. Uh, you can stay right here in Mobile. You do not. You can stay right here in Mobile, gulfcoastwaterrentals.com. Come ride with us. All right. You, you got a team maybe that these guys need to pick a team in the tournament? Or? I don't. I don't. All right. All right. I, I like it. I like it. I'll throw a team at it. Let's go ahead. Just name one. You got 68 chances. I'm an Auburn guy. All right. They're, they're, they're going to be in. All right. You have 67 chances. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they're they're going to be in. Well, Ryan, we really do appreciate it, man. And, and Thank again, you folks, uh, spring break, summer, man, a day date, a weekend, whatever. Get on out there and uh, take advantage here of uh, Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And, of course, uh, we'll come back with hour number three here in just a little bit. That includes Eric Edholm. We'll talk to the Saints. Uh, they got themselves a new quarterback. We'll recap the combine with him. And then Ronnie Arrow, the former South Alabama basketball coach, was at the South Alabama game. We'll get back into that. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. And, again, make sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, at 105.5 WNSP, the one and only, I think you called him a legend. <laughs> Lee Shervanian is on Twitter, even if he doesn't know it, at Shervanian Lee. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Mark underscore Heim. That's H-E-I-M. And you can even follow Triple G, too. What is it? At, at GGG something? Yeah. Uh, if you find Mark and Lee, you'll probably find me. Yeah. It's unfortunate. <laughs> All right. Uh, and as always, you can, uh, you can download us wherever you find your favorite podcast. So that's it. Hour number two in the books. Again, Ryan, thank you for coming in, thank man. We really me. do appreciate it. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. We'll be back right after this. On the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee.
Welcome back in. Hour number three here. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee from the studios of WNSP. We've been talking about the uh, NCAA uh, conference tournaments going on right now and the Sun Belt won by Louisiana. Furman won the Southern. There'll be about uh, four more that will be uh, determined this evening. And on the uh, football landscape, quite a bit of news. Calvin Ridley back, reinstated after his gambling suspension. Uh, Geno Smith re-ups with uh, Seattle. And, of course, uh, we've been really talking a lot about Derek Carr signing a four-year deal with the Saints. To that, we bring in from NFL.com, Eric Edholm. Eric, welcome to the show, and we're so pleased to have you with us. Good morning. How are you today? Gentlemen, I'm doing well. Hope you are as well. When we started out, and I, I booked you a couple days ago, we were, I thought we were going to talk the combine, which we'll get to, but I got to ask you about Derek Carr. Is this a good move by the Saints? I think so. You know, obviously, it's, you know, it's required them to make a, you know, a lot of adjustments to the cap and things like that. And there's probably more moves coming, but you know, as it stands right now, he's the best quarterback in the NFC South and, and being younger than Aaron Rodgers, And, and I, I think somebody who's going to give a Drew Brees, like all in commitment to the city and to the team, that's, that's an important thing. You know, just, not having that stability the last couple of years, you know, obviously Drew <laughs> spoiled him for, for two decades almost, or one and a half anyway. It's a nice thing to have in an era of, of constant change. So I, I I think it's good, you know, coming in south of, of $40 million per year, which is sort of the new benchmark for those top quarterbacks is right about where I expected him to fall. So, you know, it kind of made sense. And, and I think he did a good job negotiating too, kind of, Hinting that the Jets may have been in the lead, the Saints had to come up and, and up their offer to get to get their man. Clarify this for me. Yesterday, in the early part of the morning, early morning, the rumor was, or the report was, he was going to the Jets, and then we find out a few hours later he signs with the Saints. Was this an attempt by somebody in the Jets organization to try to pave the way for Aaron Rodgers? Or how did you how did you see this going in a, in a difference of a couple of hours that he was going to the Jets and then to the Saints? Yeah, I think it was a negotiation. I, I not that the Jets weren't an option for him. I think the Jets were interested, but they had a number. They had a they had an out number, a number where they weren't going to be interested any longer. I think Rodgers is there, and I just. If you're the Jets, it's actually kind of smart to wait for Aaron Rodgers because how many other teams are gonna 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 take him on right now? I mean, what's the list? Is Carolina on that list? Maybe. Does Aaron Rodgers want to go there? I suppose if it's his only option, he you know, there's only so many places left for him to go, and he can rule a few of them out, right? I mean, there's some quarterback needy teams out there that you say. That's not going to work either for Aaron or for the team. It's not going to work. So I think the Jets are being smart here in the sense that, you know, they're looking and saying, look, the Packers are going to probably have to deal with this one way or another. There just isn't going to be a, 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 a length of teams lined up ready to make him an offer. So I think they, they like the idea of Carr, and I think Carr probably used that as a negotiating ploy to get the Saints to come up on their number. I think it's more of that, but I think from the Jets' perspective, they can be patient because they say to themselves, you know, we could probably get the Packers to take on a lot of that salary, not accept very much in a trade and still get our guy, and, and you know, we've got Hackett here, and we'll 
you know, we'll put this young group together and see what it can do in, in 2022. How do the, the, the Saints get around that, 50, what are they, $55 million over the cap and then spend all this money on car? They must have a genius working the, the, the numbers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cap space can always be manipulated. Like I said, I think there's more coming, too. And, and you know, you, you, you still have time to get underneath, uh, you know, the, 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 the floor. You know, I mean, the, the, the ceiling, I should say. So they... They still have more to do, but yeah, I mean, all these these capologists. I mean, that was a position that you know, 15 years ago, didn't really exist. It was probably the assistant general manager, somebody who, you know, was just below the GM. The GM had involvement as well, but you know, now you have folks whose job it is to to you know commit their entire year to this, and they have help too. So, you know, I remember when the Cowboys were in cap hell year after year, kicking the can down the road, pushing money forward. You know, dealing with tomorrow's pro- or today's problem tomorrow and that sort of thing. And Adam Prasivka came in and cleaned up the books, and now they're in pretty good shape, even with you know the, the situation they're in with the, with the running back. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the good teams always have ways to to massage the cap and, and make it work. Clarify Aaron Rodgers for me. I my understanding is it's Green Bay's uh, decision, not his. It's, it's not like the NBA. It's his. De- if they want to trade him, they can trade him wherever they want to, unless he's got a, a no veto or whatever it is. How do you see this playing out? Because I've heard every which way: retire, Green Bay, Jets, somebody else. Yeah, there's. I mean, th- those are the three options, right? I mean, he either comes back to Green Bay as the starter because he's not coming back as the backup. I mean, that's just that's just reality. There, I'm, you know, as, as excited as Green Bay might be to have. Jordan Love in the lineup at some point here. You cannot have Aaron Rodgers on the roster at that price and have him be a backup. You just can't. There's there's no possible way it happens. So that's that's a possibility, but I don't think it's the most likely one. I think the most likely one is he leaves, and I think the Jets are the most likely option. But you're right. I mean, the Jets kind of hold some power here in the sense that the contract the Packers signed Rodgers to is right now kind of a boat anchor, and, and it kind of holds their feet to the fire a little bit. I mean, Rodgers kind of controls the situation, and he may want to be back, but then Green Bay can also say, all right, if you want to come back, that's fine, but Randall Cobb's gone. Alan Lazard is going to be gone. Uh, David Bakhtieri is gone. All his guys are going to be gone. This was something that was a sticking point for Rodgers he didn't want to be part of a rebuild. So the Packers leverage can come from the standpoint of, okay, Aaron, you want to come back? Well, things are going to be a little different around here. This isn't going to be the the same championship type of setup that you hope to have or said you hope to have at one point. Uh, do, do you want? Are you in? Is this part of what you're, you want to do? You want to help kind of mentor some younger guys, which, you know, he had to do anyway last year, but – I think Aaron's smart enough to know that in the last really two months, the Packers song has changed a little bit as recently as I think January, I don't know, 10th or 15th, somewhere around there. Brian Gutekunst said, yeah, you know, you can't compare Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers." basically saying Rodgers is better. Now gives him a better chance to win. But now recently at the combine, that was a different story that they were selling, which was, they're excited to see Love. He brings practice juice we haven't seen in years. And we're going to have to wait to see what Aaron's decision is, but we need an answer pretty quick. I mean, I'm you know paraphrasing, but 
they're, they're quietly sending the message that it would help us out a lot, Aaron, and it would make it less awkward if we could make this thing go away and ship you off to New York and let's figure out the best way to do it. That's how I read the situation. I don't know that to be fact. I'm just saying that's how I, how I view it from, from my seat. Eric, at home, NFL.com. Biggest storyline that you took away from the Combine? I think it has to be Anthony Richardson. And, you know, the, the, the background is also that I don't know that it was too stunning to people in the league what he did, except for the fact that he did it at 244 pounds. I don't know that everyone knew he weighed quite that much. Uh, and to be able to move the way he did, I mean, it's just a big, big kid. I mean, you know, we, we, we kind of did the same thing with Cam Newton, which is where, you know, when people saw him for the first time, they said, wow, man, Cam is massive. Like, this is a defensive end playing quarterback. And I think you're starting to hear kind of the same types of things. I mean, you know, he's bigger than Nolan Smith from Georgia, right? And worked out like a demon, threw pretty well, although, I, you know, by the end of his session, he got a little floppy there. But anyone taking him on has to know that this is a raw prospect. This is somebody who was very inconsistent last year. You know, maybe he wasn't completely used the right way. Maybe there's more untapped potential that he, that needs to develop. It's, you know, mechanics are a little bit sloppy here and there, especially his feet. You get a little lazy with those. But, boy, I think he's a smart, competitive kid. He would work great in one of those, you know, RPO-based offenses and half-field reads and, you know, get the quarterback on the move and things like that. You know, that's, that's kind of where the modern game's going anyway. So he's not going to last long. I don't know how long it is, but if you told me he goes somewhere between the third pick and the eighth pick, it wouldn't shock me one bit. Eric at home, our guest here on WNSP. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Eric underscore at home. Is, is it, like, required now at the, at the combine to do a, a backflip? Is, is that, like, the new thing? Apparently, yeah. I was, you know, the first one, oh, hey, that's cool. The second two, you know, I always feel like oh, this is sort of the, you know, the, the new three-cone drill, I suppose, right? No one asked them to do it, but they do it, right? And uh, I, I was scared because obviously a couple of them didn't quite land perfectly. Right. And, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing now because nothing happened, but can you imagine if a player, I mean, who, those guys' agents watching them make right. flip, their heart had to skip several beats and until they landed and got up and said, I'm fine, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. You know, the other thing is, and I've never been to the combine, Eric, but I just, watching it on TV, I just feel like it's like, <clears throat> for lack of a better comparison, it's kind of like versions of the Senior Bowl, but at the library. It's like you can't really talk, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like football, but in quiet. It, just, it's, yeah. it's, it seems very unsettling. I, you know, the first time I went to a pro day, so, well, this was the first combine where I was actually in the building. I had never been in, inside before to watch the workouts. You know, it was an interesting experience, no doubt. But the first time I'd gone to a pro day, and I guess it would have been Michigan way back, like in the <laughs> Braylon Edwards' pro day, yeah. I was stunned at how quiet it was. Like, it felt like you said, like it was a final exam like we or we were watching a chess tournament or something like that, you know, and you're just waiting for the next move, right? And no one, you know, nobody wants to say anything because, yeah, uh, you know, and obviously you, if you've gone <laughs> to a golf tournament, you know, if you've gone right. to a tennis tournament, it's quiet, but then it's loud, right? That's different. You know, you don't hear cheering other than a couple little hoots and hollers from the players. And it's like you said, it's a very strange setting, but uh, you kind of get used to it after a while. <laughs> 
Hey man, great stuff as always. Good catching up with you. Tell everybody how they can uh, they can follow your work. As uh, there's never an off season when it comes to the NFL. Yeah, NFL.com. I've got my top hundred prospects list that I'm. Uh, I don't know. I'm about number sixty three right now. So hopefully by the end of tomorrow, I'll have a full hundred, and uh, folks can read it by the end of the week. All right. Well, it's H E I M when you're putting me down on the, on in your top fifty. Gotcha. Right yeah. now you're at 108. You're, you got to get some work to do to get in there. You didn't see the backflip that I did before the show today. Send me the video. Send me the video. I'll review it. <laughs> hey, have a great week. We appreciate it. All right. Later. See you, fellas. Uh, scoreboard traffic and weather next. Stay with us. Oh, got a little Chick-fil-A for you, too, coming up. Uh, and, of course, Ronnie Arrow will recap South Alabama's uh, game last night with us. Plenty left here on a Tuesday edition. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. This is Andrew Zhao, Alabama former quarterback. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, let's do it, Lee Shervanian. What do we got for All the right. folks today? The In the last four years, NFL, there's been only one NFL team that has not had a pastor throw for over 3,000 yards a season in the last four years. Name that team, 694-1055, to get your Chick-fil-A. All right, it's easy enough. A little Chick-fil-A here. Uh, in the meantime, you guys could also jump in on a number of topics that we've been talking about. Obviously, uh, Derek Carr to the Saints has been a huge topic. South Alabama's loss last night in the Sunbelt Tournament Championship, uh, huge. Giannis had their rebound rescinded, and rightfully so. Um, so there's been a, a number of, uh, of great topics uh, today. And, of course, the permanent SEC opponents continues to be a huge topic of debate in in the app. But guys, those of you defending Nick Saban, you're defending the indefensible. Like you're the, one of the best teams in the in the in the conference. You're not going to get any sympathy from anybody outside your fan base that Nick Saban is complaining about the permanent opponents. And I use the word complain. He's planting the seed to try to it's it's ironic that the man that talks about playing better opponents and tougher schedules is the one saying, "Man, our schedule's too tough." Alabama fans, I've talked to several. There was a time, especially when they were beating up on people really good and they were complaining the the scores, it's not, you know, I'm leaving the game at the half. If you have a choice, would you rather see them play LSU or Vanderbilt? Or Kentucky. Come on now. Be honest about it. Which which one? Let's say you could be doing something else. Say, wait a minute, LSU and Alabama? No, I'm not going to miss that game. I mean, there's a reason that these games have been like night games and so forth. You wouldn't rather see your team, Alabama, play LSU than somebody else in the SEC? Wouldn't you want to see your team continue its series with Tennessee? Obviously, you want to see it continue with Auburn. I don't know what the I don't know big what the gripe is all about. To be honest, uh, we got a winner on your Chick Fil A. Ron got the uh, answer to your question, so he's got some Chick Fil A. Yeah, Saints, the only team in the last four years without a quarterback to throw for over three thousand yards. Uh, Nicholas, sir, uh, we were talking about Giannis, but there's also another NFL uh, NFL NBA storyline that was pretty interesting uh, here recently. Would yes. you like to share that with the class? 
Sure. <laughs> so last night, the Celtics and the Cavs played. They were tied with .8 seconds left. Right, which is an eternity. Right. Grant Williams gets fouled. He's on the free throw line. All he has to do is make one free throw, and the Celtics win. As he steps up to the line, Donovan Mitchell starts getting in his head, telling him he's going to miss it, he's going to miss it. And then Grant Williams, there's like a very close-up video. He says, I'm going to make them both. I'm going to make them both. Yeah. He then proceeded to miss both of the free yeah. throws. They go to overtime, and the Celtics end up losing. I can't think of a more just embarrassing sports moment than that off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, it uh, Missing two is, is pretty bad, but <clears throat> the story reminds me of when Carl uh, Malone went to the line, and you remember Carl. You're a big fan of Carl. Uh, uh, I'm not. Yeah, I know you're not. That's <laughs> why I said it. And Pippen, Pippen told him that the the mailman doesn't deliver on Sunday, and he bricked the free throw. But that was only one free throw. Right. This dude bricked both, and that was after he said he was going to make both. Like it'd be to it'd, win the game. Yeah, and it'd be one thing if dude said you're going to miss them, and he didn't say anything. But he's like, no, 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 I'm going to make both of these. Yeah. Brick, brick. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. The NBA, it's always it's always making great content. <laughs> it's always giving some us of us in this room hate to believe it. Uh oh. I think that was I think that was passive aggressive directed at someone. My aggressiveness is never passive. Okay. Hey, speaking of basketball, Ronnie Arrow is set to join us next. He'll give us his take on South Alabama. And uh, continue with your comments in the app. We've got a couple segments left here on a, uh, I want to say Wednesday, but a Tuesday edition of the opening kickoff. Stay with us. and be the latest to qualify for the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. That's the sounder. Uh, we are qualifying 58 contestants between us and the final drive leading up to our big party at Moe's downtown March 15th. You get qualified. You will give be given a team. That team wins the national championship. Not only do you get a brand new TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress, you get the use of of two uh, Wade Runners at Gulf Coast Water Rentals. We made that announcement earlier today. Uh, two one-hour sessions right there on Dog River, the only place in Mobile where you can rent Wave Runners. Go to gulfcoastwaterrentals.com. Let's talk some uh, basketball now with former JAG coach. The only, actually the last JAG coach to take a team to the NCAA was 2008. Ron Arrow attended the game last night in Pensacola. Coach, good morning. How are you today? Lee, Mark, congratulations uh, uh, for talking about the game last night. What a game it was. Before we get into the team, 
Let me just say that the atmosphere last night in Pensacola was unbelievable. Uh, the city of Mobile, the fans, uh, uh, the basketball team was first class. Uh, we had an enormous amount of fans uh, they're yelling for us, and uh, I know as a as a fan and as an ex-coach here, it was great to see the support that South Alabama had last night. You know, Ronnie, you mentioned that. It's a great point because there was a point during the broadcast where they called for the timeout, and you could hear the fans chanting USA, and uh, it was clear as day, and it was, it was pretty obvious that the majority of the fans were there uh, to support the Jags. So it really was a great turnout. Yeah, and we needed it because, you know, the Raging Cajuns, they travel well. But uh, I would say we were at least two to one, maybe three to one uh, for everyone that they had. And just a great atmosphere. You know, uh, <laughs> that that song, Running for Your Life, that's about what you feel like, no matter how good a team, how good a record when you go in to your tournament playoffs. Uh, it's uh, it's tough. Just it's like going in and getting a shot as a kid. Hurry up. Give me the shot. Let me get out of here. Ronnie, can you tell whether playing four games in five days had any effect in the second half? Well, I think Richie and his staff did a really good job throughout the year. Now, remember now, two weeks ago, this team was 500. Uh, what what a way that they brought this team in a short amount of time. They wound up 19 and 16, and I hope we get into a tournament so that we can go on and get over that 20 mark. I think Richie's won 20 games every year that he's been here. So, uh, you know, uh, when you, whenever you play four games, uh, three games, whatever it is, and they only had to play two, uh, it, uh, it might be, but Hey, you've come this far. That adrenaline's flowing. Uh, let's show up and play basketball. South Alabama had a chance to tie it. Owen White's, I guess, their best free, uh, three-point shooter. But I understand Louisiana was really doing a job on him, keeping him out of the game. And on the other hand, South Alabama was doing a really good job trying to keep that big center out of the uh, key and, and not get beat too bad like, like they did a couple of weeks ago. What were some of the, as you looked at it from a coaching standpoint, some of the things that you that figured in this game? You know, the bottom line is, like always in today's games, just go to who shot the best uh, three-point percentage shooting. Uh, and also, uh, here's a stat for you, and I, I, would, I didn't know this until I looked at it. We shot 16 more free throws uh, than they did. We were 17 for 28 with 61%, and they were 9 for 12 for 75%. So that had a, a major part. We we couldn't get the lead. We couldn't get over the hump because we missed some free throws right there, crucial time when we needed to make those. Uh, but, you know, the other thing, the, the threes, I mean, uh, we were 3 for 11 for 27%, and they were 8 for 17 for 47%. Uh, that right there, they're two guards now. And, and it was it was a great game plan defensively to double down on the Brown kid. But unfortunately, in doing that, you got to give up something. And they were doing a good job of kicking it out. Their kid, the Folks kid and the uh, Dalcourt kid, uh, uh, Folks was three for six from the threes. And uh, Dalcourt was three for four. So one shot 50%, just those two shot 50%. And uh, the other one shot 75%. And uh, everything else is a great game. 
as far as turnovers. Each team had nine turnovers. Uh, it was a well-coached, uh, well-played game. Uh, the Sun Belt should be very proud to have had this game, this crowd, on TV. Isaiah Moore really impressed me. Now, I hadn't really seen him. You have. You go to a lot of the home games and so forth. But uh, how was he able to get in the lane so much? And uh, most of his 20 shots were inside the lane for a guy at 6'1". And to not have the shot blocked was even more amazing. He's a phenomenon. He does that all the time. He can't stop it. I mean, he might get one or two shots blocked or uh, it's close. He can get in there and use his body. He's got the quickest the uh, drive and floater. He's got the quickest release of anybody I've ever seen on a floater. And he gets arc on it where uh, they can't block it. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, you see him going, oh, man, this is going to get blocked. Boom, he scores. Uh, just a great player, good person. I uh, met his uh, mom last night and family. Uh, just the whole ball of wax. That everybody should be proud. I know the outcome wasn't what any of us wanted, but uh, we we did uh, great. Our guys performed well, and uh, uh, get ready for next. Hopefully, the next tournament we'll be going to. Did uh, you get a chance to talk to Coach uh, Richie? I didn't. I texted him after, and he texted back, and. Uh, you know, uh, disappointment, but proud of the fact the way that the guys handled themselves. That shot uh, that White missed at the end is the exact same shot, maybe one or two steps further out that he nailed the night before to give us a five-point lead with uh, like nine seconds to go. Basketball gods are tough sometimes, but uh, uh, I thought one of the best things that Richie and his staff did that we couldn't do last night because we didn't get the lead at the end, but in the other games we had the lead and Richie went to, I call four corners, I'm not sure what he calls it, and they were able to penetrate, keep the ball outside, make them come out, then drive, and they were helping more off of White where they could pitch to him, and then he was getting wide-open threes, which really helped him have fantastic games. Going back in memory, what do you do when you have a big guy, in this case like Samuels, and you've had a lot of big guys you've coached, but you know they're not good free-throw shooters. How does that affect your coaching, especially, let's say, late in the game? You know, <laughs> it's funny you said that. With seconds to go, Bob Marlin, who is a phenomenal coach for Lafayette, uh, he took Brown out because he can't shoot free throws. He shoots a little bit better uh, than Samuels, but he took him out while they had the ball so that they couldn't just foul him. And when we got the ball, Samuels was in there, and they called a timeout, and all of a sudden Samuels wasn't in there because they were going to do the same thing and just foul him. So both uh, coaching philosophies get get bad free throw shooters out. And I, I feel sorry for uh, Samuels. I mean, his form is not bad at all. I think a lot of it now is just in his head. But uh, uh, what a phenomenal game this was. When you, you were talking about more a while ago, 33 points for a, maybe a 6-1 player that uh, can drive in there and shoot over the three over the trees. Is there something to be said, though, where, in this case, South Alabama pretty much was dependent on one guy, 
and Louisiana, they pretty well balanced it out. Three or four guys that could score. Well, here, here, here's the thing. Our four guards, and here's another positive. Turbo had, who's probably 5'10", 5'11". He had 10 rebounds last night. Uh, uh, to give you a sample of that, Samuels had six rebounds. So Turbo did a great job of, of rebounding. But between Parham, Turbo, Moore, and White, they were three for ten from the threes. And between uh, Fawkes and Dalcourt, uh, they were uh, six for ten themselves. So it gets to a point in games, the three-point shot has changed the game. You hope that your guards uh, show up. They had been shooting good. Parm really uh, shot the ball well the other three games. But uh, there comes a time where it's game time, and whoever shows up and performs in that particular game is going to win the game. So we had a, a listener call in, and Mark, I, I don't know if I'm paraphrasing this right, about pressure defense. I think the, the caller wanted to know why the Jags didn't pressure more. Full-court press. Full-court press. Yeah, well, you know, that hasn't been their game the whole year. And uh, a lot of people put a few things in for the playoffs and stuff, but that, that hasn't been their M.O. the whole year, pressing. And uh, it's just a shame that we couldn't have got the lead at the end where we could have gone the four corner, which is very uh, – uh, I tell you what, Richie and his staff did a great job. Remember, two weeks ago, this was a 500 team. And to wind up 19 and 15, uh, everybody should be proud of this team, this coaching staff, and hopefully the NIT is going to see fit to be able to uh, invite South Alabama to the NIT. You think? See, I was asked that yesterday. Now, Southern Miss is the automatic qualifier because they finished first and they're not going to the NCAA. I'd like to see it, but I can't see it. I, I just I don't see the NIT taking two teams from the Sun Belt. Do you? You know, it, it gets down to a lot of, of that. In 2007, we got upset in the uh, – we got upset in our tournament. And the only reason why uh, we got to go to the tournament that year is because we beat Mississippi State, who won their side – of the southeastern of the SEC. So, uh, you know, you just never know. Everything has to do with money. Everything has to do with players. Uh, it has to do with getting hot at the right time. And I want to tell you something else that, that hopefully will help. When the NIT people turned on and see the great following of people in the stands, in their minds, hey, they've got a group that will travel. We need to look at this bunch. And guess what? Uh, good for the Southern Miss, but we beat them two out of three times. Ronnie Arrow, our guest here on WNSP. Let me ask you, uh, and I'm not necessarily questioning the final play because I thought they got a good look. It was probably a little further out than they would have liked, but they got the good look. Is it when you were coaching? Did you have more options uh, setting up a play coming off uh, at, at half court as a, as opposed to going full court and getting into a set? The only reason I asked, there was 12 seconds left. They called a timeout and then took it all the way down the floor and ran their last play, as opposed to getting it in quick, racing it over half court, calling a timeout there and setting something up there. Uh, do your options vary based on, on that point alone?
Okay, one final segment of the day. Lee said airballing a free throw, the one of, not the, but one of the most embarrassing. You got another one. Well, I think this is more an embarrassment for the league than the individual, but one of the best guards ever to play the game was Earl the Pearl Monroe. The game was pretty much over with, and the ball was inbounded. So you're, you're back, obviously, at the opponent's basket, right? And, and the game is virtually over. And you're just, you know, a lot of guys just dribble the ball out. What he did was he threw the ball up into the other team's basket. It went in? Yeah. Yeah. This created a firestorm because it changed the point spread. Ah. It became a major, major issue. Like, did Monroe do this on purpose? Was this about gambling? Because, you know, that always hangs over uh, basketball in general. And it, and again, you know, the, I think the Knicks lost the game, but it created a firestorm. The league investigated. They, what are you going to do? You can't. Who does that? I mean, he just flipped the ball into the team's basket. Yeah. Who does stuff like that? Uh, we got a call. Let's uh, let's go to the phones, Nick. Who we got? Go ahead, caller. Welcome to WNSP. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, a question, a comment. Uh, one comment about uh, embarrassing plays. How about? Uh, at the end of a ball game, when you call timeout to set up your strategy, your last play, and that's your last timeout, but you go out on the court and one of your players calls another timeout. It happened just recently. Um, yeah, yeah. And, of course, Chris Weber did that, uh, so we won't forget that. But let me ask you all about Novak Djokovic, uh, the tennis player. Okay. Am I understanding that – He's not going to be allowed in the country to play tennis on U.S. soil because he's not gotten vaccinated, right? You're right. Okay, but yet we're letting thousands of people cross the border every day at Texas and Mexico without vaccinations? So, so, something doesn't make sense there, does it? <laughs> Just saying. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Chuck. Going, going into a different level, <laughs> different level of news there. It's like getting a little political there, Chuck, but that's fine. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Nick, most embarrassing thing you can do on a basketball court? Not you personally, but in general. Um, I don't know. One thing that happened to me when I was in a church rec league, <laughs> uh, I, it was um, Weston Moody. I'll name drop there. So this guy named Weston Moody, he's dribbling down the court, and I can tell he's, like, going full speed, losing a little bit of control. So I, so I plant my feet. I'm about to take a charge, right? You know how, like, when you start running and you're going too fast, you'll, like, fall over? Yeah. He does that. Just straight up torpedo headbutts me right in the nuts. <laughs> and I fall down. I'm getting a little watery in the eyes. Everyone's yeah. just everyone that's watching is just dying laughing. So that was my most embarrassing basketball moment. And we're like, Nick, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, the the new thing now, like the most embarrassing thing that can happen to you is if somebody breaks your ankles, if they drop you before they score. Like that's the like the new fad, right? It used to be when your stuff got stuffed or, or rejected. Now it's if you just get dropped at like the three point line trying to trying to guard yeah. somebody. In yeah, fact, you, it's gotten to the point that younger kids won't actually play man defense. Exactly. Like they sag no, because they don't want to get dropped. That's right. Yeah, they, they'll play back. They, they won't play for real because you're. I mean, look, I people are. 
even the best defenders in the world are going to get crossed up, right? Yeah. We've all seen that clip of Allen Iverson crossing up Jordan back to back times. It's just going to happen. But in today's society, with the media, social media, everyone's so afraid to get on a hoop mixtape yep. or world star hip hop uh, by getting their ankles broke. So. And by the way, Maybe don't, that's why there's no defense. Don't yeah, don't believe everything you see on a hoops mixtape. I saw a hoops mixtape for somebody that will rename, uh, will name, we won't name, mm-hmm. remain nameless. Um, he's pretty popular in this area. They had him dunking over somebody, but they cut the video before you actually see the ball go through the hoop. The reason why is because he missed the dunk. <laughs> Right. It doesn't exactly say it's it, it, it's not exactly genuine, but I still think when you get a rebound off a free throw and put it back in the wrong basket, that's probably the most okay, embarrassing yeah. thing that can happen to you. Like it's one thing, like it's embarrassing enough to shoot it in the wrong goal, but everybody's not there's nobody moving, everybody's kind of standing still. You grab the rebound and so like half Three-fourths of the people are running the other way, and you're jacking it up in the wrong goal. That's probably the most embarrassing thing that can happen to you. Although I always like the guy that throws the baseball pass that winds up like 50 yards out of bounds. Those are always good, too. I, I feel like the more the more like high level of a moment and game dictating of a moment, uh, that, that'll make it more embarrassing. Like the Grant Williams thing, it was a ga- you had the potential to win the game there, and you failed. Like, remember when Patrick Ewing uh, missed that game-winning layup against the Pacers, wasn't it? I'm not. I don't remember it, but I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's. It was just like the easiest layup of all time, and it just rimmed out. Um, Luca had a shot like that the other day against the Suns, right before him and Devin Booker started fighting. Just a wide open <laughs> layup, just rimmed out. And I do think Pete, guys, I, I've never experienced this due to my lack of verticality, but it's not, it's not embarrassing to miss a dunk as much as it is to get stuffed by the rim. So, like, if yeah. you go too hard and it just bounces off the back iron and it goes flying, like, it's like, oh, oh, but if you go up and try to dunk it, but you get stuffed by the front of the rim and you just can't get it over high enough, yeah. that's pretty embarrassing. But, but is it that embarrassing? Because it's like, people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, he probably could do it any other time. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's that embarrassing. I feel like that's when you were in like PE in middle school and that one kid that could throw the football the farthest out of anyone was always the quarterback, even though he was the most inaccurate guy ever. But they were like, man, he can throw it so far. Yeah. Uh, it looks like the missed layup by Ewing was in game seven, 95. Is that a John Starks team? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Oh, there he goes. Goes to the lane. Finger roll. That's a little bit of a tough shot, though. You don't see seven foot one finger rolling at the lane. Patrick Ewing, though. And I, I think it was one of those few moves to the lane where he didn't actually walk, Lee. Patrick Ewing always had those three steps across the lane. Everybody walks. I caught some walks yesterday in that Jag game that weren't called. But that's fine. That's the we way they call the game. We need to get game. you out in one of those ref shirts and get you out on the court, man. With a whistle? Mm-hmm. You'd be calling every. You'd either call everything or call nothing at all. I don't know which. Let him play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got? Uh, what do we got um, working for tomorrow, there, Mr. Shervanian? Baseball. Dan Jennings. The World Baseball Classic starts 
will talk to Ross Jackson on Derek Carr coming to the Saints. Chris Stewart will start a preview of the SEC basketball tournament, for starters. All right. And you never know what's going to happen between now That's and right. then. That's right. We don't. Saints might get them another quarterback another, another player get a, get another quarterback to yeah. compete with Carr like Maybe Aaron Rodgers Maybe the Falcons Rogers. will will answer the bell here and find them a quarterback I thought they already did I thought it was announced that Lamar Jackson was on their team by somebody on this station It's coming soon enough soon enough Be careful what you uh wish for and manifest it may happen I don't think you, I think it's just what you wish for I think you could have just stopped there I don't <laughs> I don't All right we're back tomorrow at 6 until then see ya